Hello and good morning, everyone. Only positivity here. I have my coffee with me, ready to kick off podcast number 75 on this playlist that I'm looking to launch called Elevated Thoughts. Now, before diving into the book and everything like that for today, let's go and start with the level set. So, you know, as I endeavor upon pursuing knowledge and life experience in this next phase of life through fitness, photography, cannabis, reading, traveling, many more things, one habit that I've really formed is reading. And this podcast essentially goes through some of the books I've been reading as of late, taking those lessons learned and applying them to experiences in my life. So before diving into the book for today, let's go and start with a story. Now, um, today's story um, is, a you know, it could be a little controversial, but I'm just going to dive right into it. So this past weekend, um, I actually um, did a, a shrooms trip, um, and I've done it before many times. I'm a big fan of psychedelics and, you know, the, their effect on you. Now, a lot of people, you know, they, there's stigma around them and things like that, and that's totally fine. But, you know, every time um, I have done them, I've, ex- I've gained such clarity um, such focus, and um, for lack of a better phrase, I've just gotten out of my own way in life, right? So many times, you know, as, as we become adults, right, we need to make more money, we need to go see family more often, we need to up our social obligations, um, and, you know, we start taking, that can really shape our lives in a way we might not want to, right? Um, and, you know, our ego can get in the way, um, our anxiety can get in the way, and things like that, but whenever I've done, you know, a psychedelic um, interaction or a trip, I've, I've always come out of it, you know, feeling like I know what I want for my life, right? I, my direction seems clear. Um, I know where I'm headed. Um, and one thing that I really want to do is, is travel, make experiences, meet new people, um, because that's what, that's what keeps me going in life. You know, every time I um, do these things, I'll go for a walk or something like that, and I'll start gaining such clarity. It'll be so euphoric, and I realize that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't need much from life, right? I just need good people around me. Um, I just need to, you know, do my best to like put out some love into the world and, um, and, and, and I'll receive it. And if not, it's just like a good endeavor, right? It brings me happiness. It brings me fulfillment to do these type of things. And amongst a host of things, I just learn that. I learn that you need to get out of your own way. There's true bliss. There's a new rich in just, you know, living your life and going to explore um, and being a student of this world. You know, I'm always humbled by the experience. Um, Am I taking myself too seriously? Am I taking life too seriously? Do I think I'm more than what I am? And things like that. Um, So it's really hard to put into words, but I gain clarity and I also get closer to the people I'm around. You know, I, it, um, it allows me to put my stuff aside to be closer to other people and really be there for other people. So like I said, I'm not recommending it to anyone. Um, I'm just sharing my experience um, because it's been really beneficial for me to like, you know, walk through my childhood items and things like that. And it's not, you know, it's not always a therapeutic tool, right? I laugh a lot when I do that. Um, I'm, I laugh hysterically, you know, um, and it, there's a lesson to be learned there too, right? But all in all, right, I, I'm going to do my best to um, explain that maybe in a specific podcast on it or if I can bring a guest on to talk about it with. But, um, yeah, that's just my experience so far with it. Um, nothing but positive um, as I'm in comfortable environments and things like that. So, yeah, we'll just leave it there and we'll jump into um, the book for today, which is the second part um, that we'll be going through of Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. So in the last podcast on this one, we went through rules one through four. And in this one, we're going to go through five, six, seven, and eight. So, you know, at a high level, Jordan Peterson does have really good dialogue in the book. You know, he brings up some great points. I don't agree with all of them. You know, they might have worked for him throughout his life and things like that. 
but I think there's something to be said about, you know, not necessarily agreeing with every point that the author is making, but being able to have that discourse on it. And that's exactly what I do here. So, you know, what, without further ado, we'll just go ahead and jump right in. But let me get a sip of this coffee real quick. Alrighty. So, rule number five. Do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Do not let your do, your children do anything that makes you dislike them. So, I don't know if that's a, um, you know, an accurate statement to say because kids are always going to do things that you don't like, but um, that doesn't mean you don't let them do it. I think what he's saying is like, you know, course correct and hop in there and get, you know, roll your sleeves up and get in the nitty gritty with your kids. So the first quote we'll go through is a man who has been the indisputable favorite of his mother keeps for life the feeling of a conqueror, that confidence of success that often induces real success. A man who has been the indisputable favorite of his mother keeps for life the feeling of a conqueror, that confidence of success that often induces real success. Now, you know, this is a positive quote, but I do see this um, a lot in, in men specifically whose mothers have spoiled them, you know, maybe including myself. They have this entitlement and it's not even 100% their fault, right? Because they, that's what you have growing up, you know, um, specifically for, you know, my mother and, and, you know, a lot of these Indian mothers and immigrant mothers, you know, they, they, they give up everything for their kids and they do everything for their kids, right? Now, even if you didn't want to, right, that's going to give you a sense of entitlement, even if you, like I said, didn't want that, because someone is always doing something for you. So whatever being done, you feel like you don't have, you don't need to be doing that, right? You don't have the time for it. Um, so hop off that quote, go to the next one. Children can be damaged as much or more by a lack of incisive attention as they are by abuse, mental or physical. Children can be damaged as much or more by a lack of incisive attention as they are by abuse, mental or physical. Now he says this is damaged by omission rather than commission, right? And it's not cut and dry. But it's like, when do you intervene with your child versus letting them make their own mistakes, right? It's such a gray area. But if you refuse to acknowledge something of your child or you, you, you're a little bit too hands-off on something, that's, that's a lack of incisive attention, right? It's that damage by omission. You're not saying something as opposed to saying something. And not saying something can be equally as damaging, if not more, than saying something and intervening. Next quote. Modern parents are simply paralyzed by the fear they will no longer be liked or even loved by their children if they chastise them for any reason. Modern parents are simply paralyzed by the fear they will no longer be liked or even loved by their children if they chastise them for any reason. Now, you know, I we've seen this, right? And not even in modern parents, right? All parents where they, they don't want to say anything to their kid, right? Out of fear of, you know, that kid, you know, leaving or not liking them and things like that. Now, there's so many different methodologies for what a parent is. Like, are they a friend? Are they, you know, are they the parent? Are they a hybrid? Um, and so I'm not sure if I, I agree with this statement that Jordan Peterson's putting out, but I see his logic, right? I feel like, you know, from the, the modern parents I see, they're just more or less likely to use corporal punishment and negative reinforcement with their kids. And there's something commendable about that, right? You know, growing up, I was, you know, I was corporal, corporally punished, right? And negatively reinforced. And, you know, that led me to have a certain type of relationship with my parents. Now, in general, parents want their kids to love them, but also 
you know, be successful adults. Um, and maybe sometimes a lesson isn't resenting, isn't worth resenting your, your parents or your kids resenting you forever. Or, or is it, right? Like, if you, if you make your kid a strong, hardened individual that can survive, and then that means you did your job as a parent, but if they don't love you because of it, or they don't love you jovially because of it, is that worth it? Right? It's just a, a question to ask. I'm not saying I know the answer, but I always like to explore both sides of all these arguments. We'll jump to our next quote. It is an act of responsibility to discipline a child. It's not anger at misbehavior. It is an act of responsibility to discipline a child. It is not anger at misbehavior. Now, this is a good one-liner, I think, because kids definitely will frustrate us. And, you know, I don't have any kids, but I, you know, from the kids I do interact with, they're frustrating at times, right? But our actions have to be dictated by logic and strategy as opposed to pure emotion, right? There's going to be times where, you know, a kid's going to do something wild and you're going to react, right? And you got to be able to control your reactions to things. But also, when you discipline a child, what is your intent behind it, right? Are you just angry? Because that's, that's, that's a problem. You shouldn't be just angry at something. You should be able to say, hey, look, here's the issue, right? Here's the situation. Here's why it's not okay. And here's my re remediation as a lessons learned for you as a child, right? So you got to have that strategic approach as a parent. Or in reality, don't have a fucking kid, dude, because if you are angered and you are impulsive, that's going to make your kid's life really, really troublesome, right? Um, so we hop off that quote. Such limits, when discovered, provide security, even if their detection causes momentary disappointment or frustration. Such limits, when discovered, provide security, even if their detection causes momentary disappointment or frustration. Now, he's talking about the discipline, right? Because you're putting limits on your kids when you discipline them. And those limits can provide security, even if in the moment they don't like it. And like I said, through targeted discipline, a child is going to know their social boundaries with others. They'll start to develop a framework of which they can really, you know, nurture their values, create a value set. And I will say, though, that majority of kids learn their behavior from their peers, right? And th that's what Malcolm Gladwell said in his book. I believe it was Blink or Tipping Point, um, you know, from with this whole Sesame Street um, uh, example he uses, right? Like why kids weren't as prone to watching Sesame Street as they were to Blue's Clues, right? Um, and he also, you know, has experiments where they're in, you know, peer groups with other little kids, and they tend to learn more and elicit better behavior when they're around their kids or mock that behavior. Now, um, that's why it's always interesting for me when a parent disciplines, right? Because kids can't relate to their parents. Their parents are significantly older. They have a different look, feel to them, a different thought process. Um, so kids probably feel unrelatable when their parents tell them something. Go to our next quote. Anger crying and fear or sadness crying do not look the same. They also don't sound the same and can be distinguished with careful attention. Now here, Jordan Pearson is trying to put another person's kid to sleep. He says every time the child gets up, Jordan Peterson puts him back in the crib. And one time, he Jordan Peterson laid his hand gently on the kid's back, and the kid started to relax. Now, I personally don't think that that situation shook out that way, um, because, you know, I personally babysit my nephew at times, and it's not that easy. It might be, right? But um, if a kid doesn't want to sleep, that you you're gonna have to just wait it out you're gonna have to be with them you're gonna just give them what they need until they do but i do agree with this point 
you know, after spending enough time with babies, you can you can tell what an anger cry is, and you can tell what a fear cry is, right? Um, oftentimes, if you know a nephew of mine is not feeling so great and he's tired and it's time for him to go to bed, he's gonna do a bit of an anger cry, right? He's gonna you can tell he's gonna get a little frustrated. But there was there was a time where he he actually bit me because he was you know he was um probably cranky you know and i i i didn't know he just had his head on my shoulder and he bit me i was like oh my god and i i didn't i wasn't disciplining him i just got like startled because i thought like something else bit me and he looked at me right away and fear cried and that was the worst moment of my whole life but um there's a difference between him angry crying and him sad crying right or fear crying so you hop off that quote go to the next one discipline and punish must be handled with care because both are necessary. Discipline and punish must be handled with care because both are necessary. Now, I think this is a great point because what I don't think parents realize is the fact that kids remember a lot, you know? When a parent removes their inhibitions and really lashes out on a kid with fury, they're gonna remember that. Um, and I, I can speak from firsthand experience, right? Um, so when you, when you yell or you say something abrasive, you should always think twice on it if you really mean it because it's going to stick. And even in your in your relationships with maybe your spouse, significant other's friends, be very careful and intentful with what you say because when you say something abrasive, it's going to stick. It's going to last, right? It's going to resonate. It's going to echo um, every time someone interacts with you, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. So always, always be mindful with your words. Little... um. Uh, what was it? Not not Roberto Bolaño, but uh, Don Miguel Ruiz for agreements, right? Um, be impeccable with your word. And, you know, punishment and discipline are necessary things, but they need to be conscious efforts and not just like an emotionally charged reaction to something. Um, because, like I said, these things can, can really stick if you allow them to. Now, finally, when you see something a bit more like you want, swoop in and deliver a, a reward. And I agree with that. That is positive reinforcement, right? Positive reinforcement has been shown to prove better results um, to, than negative reinforcement. And, you know, you you always want to, um, even in negative situations, take an, a lessons learned approach, right? What are your opportunities in this situation? If you did something good, well done. You know, you're going to receive those kudos from me. And the next quote goes, pain is more potent than pleasure and anxiety more than hope. Pain is more potent than pleasure and anxiety more than hope. Now, again, I'm reiterating that concept of, of, of fear. Fear is stronger, and the impact can probably be felt much, much longer. Now, this is a very subjective statement that I'm about to say here. Children can also not be fully sheltered from fear and pain. And I think the moral of the story with that quote is to let your kids fail and learn. And, you know, obviously as a parent, you have to stop them from experiencing any true bodily harm or, you know, mental trauma, anything like that. But kids are going to learn from guided mistakes, and they're going to improve upon themselves if they're nurtured appropriately, right? So it has to be a conscious effort. Next quote. Given this fundamental moral question is not how to sh shelter children completely from misadventure and failure so they never experience any fear or pain, but how to maximize their learning so that useful knowledge may be gained with minimal cost. So I'm going to reiterate that last phrase, how to maximize their learning so that useful knowledge may be gained with minimal cost. Now, if you remove all dangerous things um, from a child's path, they're going to be naive, they're going to be immature, they're going to be weak, right? 
Now, I'll give you a little bit of a jarring example. So my dad was really worried about us getting molested by the Boy Scouts. And, you know, he was right because look what the fuck happened there. Um, uh, I guess not molested by the Boy Scouts, in the Boy Scouts, because there's a lot of really weird lurking adults um, that had no reason to be there, um, but they were just part of the organization. But he knew the worth. My dad knew the worth of us becoming Eagle Scouts. So what he did was he came to every scout meeting, every camp out, and literally every event. He parented from a distance and made sure we knew that he was always there, right? He always had our back. And I'm glad he did because there was real potential for that type of bullshit to happen in the Boy Scouts. You know, you're all alone with adults, adult males, um, you know, isolated areas, camp outs and things like that. You're a young, you're a young man, right? You're vulnerable. Um, anything can happen. A little bit dark there. <laughs> um, anyway, next quote. Rules should not be multiplied beyond necessity. Rules should not be multiplied beyond necessity. Now, the question I ask is, do you have rules in place just for the need um, to have more control and track more things? Because e even at work, that happens, right? Um, I asked my manager why he or she requests so many things that are metric related. Um, why do you need, need us to pull another data set? Um, when, what do you need these for? Is it just, it's just good to have that conversation, I feel. Now, you know, with, you know, my parents used to track my text messages. They used to check my iPads when I went on the highway. So, you know, these rules that are put in place should not go beyond necessity, right? Did you, did she, did my parents need to check my text all the time? Did they need to check my iPads? Or was it just something maniacal where they like to have that little sense of control? Um, so we hop off that quote. Be good company when something fun is happening so that you're invited for the fun. Be good company when something fun is happening so that you're invited for the fun. Now, I think this is a great little tidbit, right? As a parent or even in life in a relationship, you don't want to place yourself in that disciplinary category because what's going to happen is you're not going to be associated with fun. And you definitely want to be there for the fun parts, right? Um, be that parent who's associated with fun because why else do you want kids if not at least to have some fun, right? Like these celebrations, you know, I would love to, whenever I got a new accolade or something that, you know, call up my parents um, and go have some fun. But with them, it was always like, this is what you're expected to do, right? So th that celebratory effort wasn't there until much later. So, you know, I didn't associate them with fun. You know, I associated them with discipline and, you know, uh, hard work and things like that, which is not bad at all. So we hop off that quote. Parents should understand their own capacity to be harsh, vengeful, arrogant, resentful, angry, deceitful. Now, this goes back to always trying to be objective with yourself, right? We as human beings, one thing that makes us human is that we have that capacity to be evil, right? So I have to know my tendencies. What triggers me, right? Um, and when I do get angry, what happens? I know that when I get irritated, I become sarcastic. I start asking like um, rhetorical questions and shit like that. Um, and, I, and when I reflect on it, I realize, yo, you shouldn't be doing that, right? Now, even if, if I were to discipline a child, right, I would know that, hey, I'm stronger, I'm bigger, I'm smarter than this kid. So I have a, you know, a higher capacity to be harsh and vengeful and arrogant, resentful, angry. And I need to combat those things and put myself in a situation where I'm not going to experience those types of emotions, or if I do, know how to control them. Um, next quote. As a parent, you can't apologize when you're wrong and learn to do better. Okay, now that's a good one. Nobody is above apologizing. You know, my, my family was one of those that, you know, we really didn't apologize when something went wrong. And that can lead to a lot of resentment. But a lot of parents, even to this day, they refuse to accept that they did anything wrong. 
So when negative things happen in life, it's, you're always the victim, right? Bad things are always happening to you. Um, and, you know, I make my mistakes too, but I do my best to to analyze the situation and fess up to my mistakes in that situation. Um, I try to say, hey, what could I have done better, even if it was 100% not my fault? If I'm in a team effort, I'm going to ask how I can do something better. And if I do become a parent, I'm going to make mistakes for sure, but I'm always going to try to do my best. So what we do is we're going to hop off that um, uh, rule, rule number five, and we're going to jump into rule number six, which is set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. So what that means is, um, I'll just report it one more time. Uh, set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. So the first one here is life in truth is very hard. Now that's a very, you know, a very easy quote right there. But to me, that means don't throw stones, right? If you live in that glass house, try your best to understand that we're all just out here trying to survive, do our best in life. And nobody really knows all the answers. And yeah, some shit right in life is going to be morally wrong. But I'm not one to judge or knock someone else on how they live, right? Because who is to say the way I'm living is the correct way? right? You know, there's certain areas I won't align with people and I won't engage with people, but I'm never going to judge you um, because I don't claim to have life figured out at all. I'm a student. I'm trying to learn every single day and apply what I know. Next quote, but it is also possible to learn good by experiencing evil. A bullied boy could mimic his tormentors, but can also learn from his own abuse. Now, this is true for me, right? I know what I wanted out of life because of the things I know I didn't want out of life, right? You know, growing up in my religious environment, I knew I didn't want that. Um, I'm not saying it was bad, but I knew that was, was something that wasn't for me. So but I, what that meant for me was continue your search, right? Um, you haven't found it yet. You've been learning, but you haven't found it yet. Now we go to our next quote. If it is her fault, she might be able to do something about it. If it's God's fault, however, reality itself is flawed and she is doomed. Now, this is one of my main issues with religion, right? Now, a lot, a lot of religious folk are going to blame their shortcomings on God. But then the question is, how do you become better, right? You know, um, a lot of the, the, the aunties and the uncles I grew up with were this, right? Um, they would do their um, ritualistic, you know, devotion to the God. And if anything bad happened, it was God's fault, right? It wasn't theirs because they've been doing their, their ritualistic devotion. Now, it's an overgeneralized, overgeneralized statement, but we are in control of our lives more than we think if we just change our mindset, right? If you're having issues in a relationship, if you're having issues with your job, issues in life, think about where you come into play. Think about the control you have in that situation. Don't just take a back seat because that's the easy route. You can say, oh yeah, it just happened to me, man. What could I have done? No, there's always something you can do in a situation. And like I said, that's a blanket statement, general. But you always got to have that analysis. And maybe you couldn't have done anything, right? But always ask. Next quote. Um, have you personally contributed to the catastrophes in your life? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, are, the, are your outcomes in any way your fault? Whether they're good, they're, they're bad. Or do you know the role that you play in your own life? Right? Let's talk about failed relationships. Was it the other person just being shitty and nothing to do with you? And I've, I've literally done this, right? Thrown everything on an ex, thrown everything on like another person and realizing later that it was not the right way to do things after years of lying to myself. And something I do now is, you know, I used to do that, right? And 
I still try to go back from years and years and years ago and apologize to people if I've ever, you know, done that to them. Some people, it, it that that type of conversation reopens our friendship, it rekindles it. Some people are like, yo, I'm good on you now. And I'm like, you know, I get it, bro. I totally get it. Um, and that's one thing that I have to come to terms with is that, you know, I did have my flaws in the past and I came to fruition. I did some, uh, you know, soul searching and, you know, I really changed my life. So, you know, apologize to anyone who I ever was, you know, who I threw blame on, who I projected on. Um, I'm doing my best to take responsibility for all of my actions and my life in general. Next quote. One decision to change your life instead of cursing fate can shake your entire system. One decision to change your life instead of cursing fate can shake your entire system. Now, this is a very charging statement here, but get out of the passenger seat and just take that next step and, 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 and hop in the driver's seat and take control. Protect your time, protect your mental energy, be youthful and, and love the life that you live. You know, it doesn't have to come with money. It can come with self-study. It can come with world exploration, anything, right? Um, just define your success and run it, run it, run after it, take accountability for it. Next quote. Humans are designed to build structures to live in families, countries, and states. Now, we base principles off structures that we make, right? And our belief sets. But as as we become successful, right, in that structure, we become complacent. And we fail to notice if things are changing for better or for worse. Now, we crave comfort in life, right? We, con we crave consistency. And to a certain point, we need it, right? But once you gain comfort, are, are you losing your edge? Are you losing that bite in life? Um, your desire to be that better version of yourself, are you losing that? What, whatever that may look like, we, we always have to question the structures that we put ourselves in, right? Are we doing it because we want to be comfortable um, and we're done trying? Or are we doing it for another reason, right? Now, um, one, one overarching topic he goes through is cleaning up your life. And it goes along with everything that I've been saying. Are you keeping inventory of the good and bad things in your life? What are your opportunities? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Have you taken full advantage of the opportunities that, that have been offered to you in life? Um, are you working hard on yourself or are you letting your bitterness and your resentments, you know, kind of keep you back in life? Um, do things that you could speak of with honor, right? And, you know, I, not everything I do is like, quote unquote, honorable, but I can talk about pretty much everything that I do, right? I'm not ashamed of the things that I do. So I try to put myself in the situation where I can be as transparent as I, as I want to be without feeling ashamed. And a lot of that comes from confidence and a lot of that comes from changing my activities as well. And as you do this, you'll become more confident. You'll tell, a peop you'll tell the people around you what you really want, what you really need. Your, your headspace will start clearing up, your experiences improve, and you'll become stronger and less bitter. And you'll and you'll even start to realize that when you behave this way, the world might stop being as evil to you as you once thought, right? And you, you, you end up setting these expectations for how others will interact with you. Like if you have a toxic friend, attempt to help them through their issues while at the same time keeping your distance from toxic vibes. Now, you know, one, one paradigm shift I had with my parents was, you know, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to talk shit about anyone, Right. Um, over the past five, six years, that's it. I come home, you stay on positive vibes with me. We have conversations about life, about the world, about your day-to-day. -day. They can be about work, right? Stressful, but we're not talking shit about people anymore, right? And, and that might mean, oh, like, they can't be themselves with me, but no, there's just certain things I won't accept, 
right? Or, and not in a harsh way, I'm just going to ease out of the conversation, right? I'm be like, oh, I don't know about that, right? So I try my best to just stay um, on a positive, positive length because what you ingest informationally does have a toll on you too. So we hop off that quote and we go to our next one. Rule number seven, pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Now, there's a little difference between sacrifice and work. So the first quote is, you know, we learned that behaving properly right now in the present, regulating your impulses, considering the plight of others, could bring rewards in the future in a time and place that does not even exist yet. Now, this is a great statement to me because, you know, life is all about that type of balance. Can we control our impulses or do they control us? You know, even when um, I'm reading about Buddhism, that's what nirvana is all about, right? Removing that desire, um, controlling your emotions, controlling things like that, because when you control yourself, you can achieve that peace, you can achieve nirvana. Now, take a deep breath, right? Take a deep dive, look inwards. And if we take care of ourselves and our fellow human beings, this world might be a better place. We go to our next quote. To share means properly to initiate the process of trade. A child who cannot share can't have any friends because having friends is a form of trade. Now, you may have friends for a reason, to enjoy, to relieve stress, etc. But that comes with a mutual understanding of what you both are coming together for. He says, so practicing sacrificing and sharing until you become an expert at it and things will go well for you, right? So continue to, you know, expend your resources for the people you care about, for good people, you know, until you become an expert at it, until it becomes second nature. Because after that, things are going to go well for you. You know, I try my best to be selfless with my friends and family um, and everyone I care about because that is what ends up, you know, bringing me fulfillment because it's always returned in kind. And even if it's not, right, it feels good. It feels good to just like emanate that positivity in the world and be nice to people. You know, I, I personally needed some specific practice in this because, you know, growing up, my parents taught me that others would never be there for me. And maybe they weren't for them, right? When they came to this country as immigrants, always told me to just focus on, on, on what's good for me. And so that's what my life ensued, right? I didn't have good friends growing up. Um, I thought that friends didn't have any worth. And once I got to college, I got a crash course in what it meant to have good friends, right? Because I was all by myself. And I, and I for lack of a better phrase, I needed people to share my time, my resources. Um, and I, I really want to be there for these people. Um, and Jordan Peterson says, the successful among us delay gratification. They bargain with the future. And this is a tough balance, right? Because you always want to live in the moment, but you also want to plan for the future. Even though this quote is like a broad statement, do I delay my gratification now for a brighter future? And it's definitely a scenario-based analysis that you have to do, but oftentimes in conversations and projects, you realize that people just want to establish their dominance and put their stamp on a thing. But as someone with a higher level understanding, you put your reservations aside so that person can feel like they've been heard. And sometimes a person feeling like they've been heard is more important than being right. So we hop off that quote, go to the next one. He saw that his life had been so rich and full that he could let it go gracefully. And this is a very popular statement. I think it holds true, right? If you live a life of fulfillment and you make memories, you meet people, you explore, you won't have any problem letting go. And your fear of dying might even go down. For me, it totally has, right? Live your life intentionally. Now, 
I was just talking about this with my wife the other day about how great our wedding went, right? We worked so hard. It went so smoothly that I don't have any attachment with it. I don't need to constantly talk about it. I don't need to hold on to it um, because it went perfectly. Um, and we connected. We did it just the way we wanted to. So I could let it go. It was perfect. It was on to the next thing, right? Um, so I don't know if that's relevant, but you know, just something to share. Um, next quote. If you live properly and fully, you can discover meaning so profound that it protects you from even the fear of death. Now, that's reiterating what I just said. You know, live your life to its fullest. Go out, do things. Even if you don't know if you'll be successful or not, if it's something you wanted to do, why not do it? And through these types of engagements, you'll, you'll have stories to tell and experiences to share, and those will bring you fulfillment guaranteed. Um, last quote for this rule. God is in no, in no ways a safety net for the blind. He's not someone to be commanded to perform magic tricks. God is in no way a safety net for the blind. He's not someone to be commanded to perform magic tricks. I agree with the statement fully, right? Let's use that religious setting. Um, so I saw a lot of adults growing up not practicing any of the principles in, in my religion, right? Don't have expectations, right? Don't, don't possess any of these demonic qualities of overindulging in food, drink, you know, lust. But they would have these mantras that they memorized, right? These verses, and they would host these ceremonial things at their houses all the time with fire and things like that. And all the while they're gossiping, lying, like I said, overindulging. And it's okay because they were religious, but God is not someone you can call upon just to fix your issues. You have to put in the work as well, right? It's like 99% you, 1% that like spiritual component. Now there's this priest I know um, who is morbidly overweight and that's, I'm not fat shaming, right? And religion teaches you to not overindulge and treat your body well. Now when I look at that, I can't help but just notice that something's going wrong here, right? You're not following something that you're preaching. Um, so to me, right? God is in no way a safety net for the blind. He's not someone who can be commanded to perform magic tricks. So we hop off that quote and we go to rule number eight, which is tell the truth or at least don't lie. First quote, I wanted to win arguments and gain status and impress people and get what I wanted. Now we all know people like this, right? Those people that have those blinders on, like when you're saying something, they're just waiting for you to shut up so they can say what they think right? Um, and they just want to show you that they are right. And if if they're having a conversation, it's only going to be one-sided. And even I've done this before, right? But I have to step back, evaluate my motivation after the conversation. Was it to learn or was it more selfishly, selfishly motivated? What should you do when you don't know what to do? The answer is tell the truth. Now, I think this is a good practice. You know, oftentimes we when we don't know something, we try to massage a message or um, we talk too much to overcompensate or just act like we know. We might even lie. And if you don't know something, just say it. Because if you're bullshitting your way through, th through something, nine out of ten times, someone's going to know, right? Um, next quote. Pride falls in love with its own creation and tries to make them absolute. Pride falls in love with its own creation and tries to make them absolute. Now, if you let your pride get the best of you, you're going to turn yourself off from so many interactions, right? If you're afraid to learn or be wrong or look stupid, you're never going to grow as an individual. And I get it too. You know, sometimes we seek comfort and we just want to associate with folks that are just like us. And that's okay, right? We need some comfort. But getting out there um, is going to help you deal with your ego and it's going to lower your pride.
Um, so we go to our next quote here. Um, if you say no to your boss or your spouse or your mother when it needs to be said, you transform yourself into someone who can say no when it needs to be said. Now, what I think is this is a surefire way to get fired over time. I've seen it, right? Um, and I get Jordan Peterson's point here. It's a good one, but it's not practical. And, you know, his his latter part of saying no to your parents, that only comes to you at, like as an adult, right? Because when you're a kid, your parents are teaching you things. And if they're not teaching you how to say no, how, how are you supposed to know that, right? So that's a little something that I'm not necessarily sure I agree with. Um, anywho, um, and we'll go to our last quote after this. The inability of a son to thrive independently is exploited by a mother bent on shielding her child from all disappointment and pain. Now, I come from immigrant parents, right? And I've seen a lot of this with other immigrant parents. You know, moms love to take care of their kids, um, especially immigrant moms who have given up everything to take care of their child. And once their kid grows up, they are left with nothing to do. And that becomes the kid's fault, right, for leaving their parents. Um, so they just love to take care of them like they're babies. And now, but what this does is it prevents kids from growing up and heading out into the world because mom and dad will always be there for them to cook and clean. And this enables kids to get into little squabbles that might not be important. Now, if you ask me, I think any, um, like growth, the biggest growth happens um, and people are looking for all these crazy ways to get growth, right, in their career and things like that. I think you're going to grow so much from moving out of your parents' house paying your own rent, paying your own bills, um, and living in your own space. I recommend anyone live in their own space because it's going to really trim a lot of bullshit um, out of your life. Um, and that is all I have for today. So I hope you all are enjoying the podcast. Feel free to leave me any feedback. Um, and remember, only positivity. Thanks, guys. <laughs>